Welcome to the Lower Back Podcast. Brendan, one of our ATG staff, has the most differential type of backstory I've heard of before and after. So he'll start things off, and then Keegan and Marcel and Ben C will will try to explain what's going on with the back in relation to ATG. The best stuff comes out of just the chat that ensues. So Brendan, start us off. Yeah, so I'm definitely not going to try to come off as an expert of the back, but I think where I can really be valuable is relating the journey of getting a back injury, especially for people that may be younger and not know what to expect. And just the route of figuring out how I went so far wrong in one direction. So my story in a quick 30 seconds of my back, I'm a runner. Uh, back pain was never on my radar. I had shit splints. I had a knee surgery and I thought I was completely good healed. And I was lifting, uh, a very traditional way, I would say, trying to get strong in very uh, selective ways and then neglecting other things. And I started noticing while running, my back did sore and my hips were just chronically tight. And my coach would always point it out and he just didn't really improve it. Um, but I never thought I had a bad back. It was never in my radar whatsoever. And I was lifting in the weight room doing deadlifts. My form was pretty spot on. I've always been really maniacal about how things look and how I'm executing. And first back injury ever was a herniated disc on some pretty light weight and something I've done thousands of times. And it just felt like a complete unlucky strike of lightning. And that was the start of a very confusing loop for about two years and started living a lifestyle as restricted really confusing, less athletic, and it made me really disheartened about the entire, not a sports medicine field, not in a resentful way, just like I, I felt alone. And I know a lot of people feel that way. So we can talk in any direction, but basically I was a weak runner, never thought I'd have back pain. And once I got it, I was in the dark and uh, thought I would never get better after a couple of years. It was so all-encompassing. It was my life. What started fixing it? Because now I see, like, if you look at your page, it's like, that dude, is his back can, like, handle crazy amounts of stress. Like, yeah. why can your back handle more stress now? What do you think it was? And then and then that's where Keegan and the rest sure. of us will try to try to explain, like, why could that, how could that occur? For sure. My, I think my biggest breakthroughs was first realizing how much I sucked. And ATG was the way that I got to do that. Because through my training after, I avoided the back. I tried to treat it like it didn't exist. So I, I realized doing seated good morning, that was like absolutely impossible with my mobility. Sink burrow was not a thought. I wouldn't touch it. Back extension, if I did anything over body weight loaded, I would just feel radiating pain down my legs. So I realized those three things I was the absolute weakest at, and it sounds too simple, but I just troubleshooted those and regressed and then worked on the, the other pieces. There's a lot that did help like hip flexor lengthening, but those three were huge for me. Remember you in the chat before you were on staff. And I remember, I think you posted an RDL or something and you were just kind of like, look, this lift, this looks like a normal lift. I mean, it was pretty solid weight, but you were like, but like, this just was not like, it's crazy for me to be able to do this without like my back hurting. So I'm kind of curious how long, how long was that process? Do you remember? I remember yep. you reaching out to me personally as well. Just kind of your back had made a change. How long was that? Yeah, I definitely remember. I'm surprised you do. That's incredible. You get a lot of those messages. But yeah. 
Yeah, so that had to be years. Um, I herniated it in 2019, and my route was like, all right, deadlifts are done. Let me just back squat. All right, well, back squats I can't do anymore. Well, I'm going to start front squatting, and I couldn't do that. And so I just went down this route of like giving up on strength training, thinking that that was bad for your back. How much ability training? Six months? Like how much one time you're training? Yeah, six, six months, do you think? I went through zero for four months. And I went through dense. It was literally through the zero dense standards flow. By the time I was at standards, I was doing RDLs with. Okay. Amazing. You did a really good job explaining that. And you'll be circled back to, to comment on whatever we talk about now. So Keegan, we've had a lot of back success stories in general. I've done a lot of crazy lifting over the years. You have, we both have like a lot of back ability, like you and I, like we can we can stretch pretty far. Like we can put our back in situations. Like, like I feel comfortable putting my back into difficult situations, not worried about something blowing out in the knee podcast. You helped explain why that is for the knee. Do you have any insight here? It's like, like, can the back itself strengthen? Like what's going on here? What can, what can occur? For sure. There's a ton of adaptation. And this is a controversial one because again, the most, you know, you've, you've pushed back against the knees over toes as, as a concept. And that's sort of 50 years of dogma that is being broken down in the course of just a few years and, and big changes have happened there. That message is changing. It's the same thing with the lower back with the most dominant voice is saying, just don't move it. Just learn to lock it in place and everything's going to be fine. And that makes sense from where he's coming from. It's the McGill sort of thoughts on back. It's that, you know, he's coming from a place of back surgeries and repetitive back injuries and trying to help people be able to just get on with their activities of daily living. So it makes sense that they've said, okay, lock it up and everything will be fine. But truth of the matter is my back education started with reading Pilates books. Uh, when I was just interested in learning anything I could about training, when I was about 16 years old, I borrowed one from the library and I was playing around with some of the exercises for abdominal control and segment by segment movement, which then became popularized by people like Ido Portal. For everybody else, you have to have high back function. For a gymnast, for a hand balancer, for a wrestler, there is no option to just be, okay, I'm always going to be in neutral. I'm going to be able to lock that down. And so we have to be able to build that ability. It turns out that the back is adaptive like every other tissue in the body and it can look so on that point. The back is yeah. adaptive. We know the muscles and obviously we're trained that, but are you saying like, is there known data along that line? I don't know. I don't know about what the data actually says. All I know is, well, no, that's and that's okay. okay. I didn't know the data on the knee when I was making... I'm sure I hit at least a thousand knee success stories before I knew any of the data that I know now about the knee. I'm just curious because I don't know about the back. I don't know the data. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of research on it. And I think that's why the dominant message is still that, that other dominant message. But then if you go and look at what a gymnast can do and look at what a hand balance can do. And even the best measure for me is look at what children can do and look at what the animal kingdom, you know, you can see in the animal kingdom. If it, I love seeing my children attempt a deadlift and they just yank on the bar and they have absolutely no fear for their back and there's no sensation in their back. Like they literally just, they know they can't hurt their back when we're small, that we have a surplus of back strength relative to the hips. And when we lose that, then we're in a dangerous position. Now that's an interesting point. Like you don't see like, yeah, Mike, like Onyx is two and like, he's not worried about like throwing his back up. Now, what's really cool also on this chat is that Marcel has been our longest term troubleshooter. So like he's, woof, like, on the planet, he's going to be up there with people who have heard like the most difficult cases, but that also illuminates Marcel. Like when people say, oh my gosh, like I finally 
broke through. When it comes to the lower back, what are the things you're seeing on the front line for really difficult cases that like gets them through the shit zone? So what I've found is that, like Keegan was mentioning, when you see a kid move, the back definitely is designed to handle certain types of movement, just like the knee is designed to handle different types of movement as well. So the approach that I've taken, you know, that we've worked on together and, you know, I've become more uh, educated under how the back should move and the different positions it can take. I try to find the angle in which what stimulus can you provide to the back, which is going to not cause any kind of injury, right? So you can trade. So what back. exercises are you seeing? What so, are working for the most fragile people? So I would say the 45 degree back extension is a good one. And even within that exercise, you can cut things back. Also, the seated good morning is also a good foundational lift for the back in an extended position. And these are exercises we use a lot in ATG. There are other back exercises that I think are fantastic, such like 90 degree back extension, which aren't in our programs because it requires a large piece of equipment that not everyone's going to be able to get. But that one is another great one. And the reverse for that, by the way, which I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it at that. We yeah. actually have a solution in the works on that. And I'm excited for that. As well as the reverse hyper. Those are all exercises that I will investigate with a client if they have access to through video submissions. Because the way that we deliver things, a, a trainer really needs to be able to see what's going on in order to best advise their client through a difficult situation such as high levels of back pain, figure out what is the range of motion which they can execute in those movements and start to accumulate volume. Just like we use ROKP for the knees to help enhance blood circulation to that area, the spine, the spinal erectors, all the muscles of the back, they are all subject to the same pair cascade that the knee goes through, you know, the body is designed to be able to heal itself. If we just endlessly broke down, every single injury we would get would be detrimental and you would eventually lead to death. So the body is designed in ways to be able to heal itself. So being that we understand those physiological phenomenon, if we can try to manipulate them in a way where it doesn't cause injury and try to consistently expose the affected area, you can then start to to a greater or lesser degree, start to enhance the recovery side of things. So we look for the exercise, be it a Jefferson curl, and maybe of exercises that I didn't list. Maybe someone, I've found instances where they can't do a seated good mornings, but they have no pain doing a Romanian deadlift. Guess what? That's an angle in which you can attack the situation and start to increase your ability of your back to, to handle load, stress, and stimulating it for repair. So those that's the approach that I've have taken with our clients when it comes to like injured backs. It's not like, it's not like there's only one exercise that's the common denominator. It's more like whatever ways they can get safely into motion and strengthening for the area. It really is, which is the stimulus, which they can take on because yeah. just the knee, I've found people that cannot do step ups, but they can do split squats and guess what? That's going to stimulate the knee. That's going to uh, challenge the internal structures that's going to activate their VMO and just keep on simulating the area. Right. Some people have access to a slide, some don't. Some, I mean, some way, shape, form, somehow the, the job can get done. Now, Ben Clarefield, if anyone I know, has the most 
knowledge from Charles Poliquin, who we, we all tend to kind of share as a lot of gratitude as the genius who paved the way for ATG to even exist. And so I studied with Poliquin in person. And when he was talking, one sentence could, could be life-changing as a trainer for a certain area. So I would love to hear Ben Clairfield's take on the lower back. I'm excited to hear this one. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, everyone. Um, I think that the entry point, I think what, what I love about Brendan's one is his perspective on it too. I mean, man, I've seen him work in the gym. He works hard. And I think the coolest thing about it is like your story with your knees and Keegan's with his, uh, you know, pain and stuff as, as he was coming out and could snatch, but his knees hurt. And, and, you know, my knee surgeons, Ben's knee surgeons, Marcel's like, you know, body composition. I think the thing is to realize, uh, that a lot of people think that there's us over here, the coaches or the athletes that are like love training. We're all perfect and we're all bulletproof. And there's the broken client or whatever that's over here that's injured. And what can we understand? We're on this side versus them that their bodies are, you know, their office workers or they've hurt their back or they're hurt their. And I think the magical thing is realizing we're all the same. We're all human. So the difference I think is psychological. And I think what's so great about Brendan's story and, you know, he's sharing with us, which is the same as your story and the same as all of us that have found solutions is the perpetual attempt to try and find a solution for our weak links, whatever those weak links are, as opposed to say, well, I'm Brendan, I'm back broken. Like I've got a bad back. I am definitional about this is who I am. I have a bad back. Brendan does not have a bad back. Brendan's back is awesome. Like he's strong as shit. Like he's a phenomenal mover, great trainer, great coach, great guy, you know, and I, and I would say that's so inspiring because I think the story of from broken to understanding what a solution is to fix that to then helping other people, which is so cool. Which I, I mean, I think that represents what we do with all of our flaws. We're not perfect, but you know, I think that's so awesome. Thanks, Brandon. I, I think it's, I think that's really key is for us to, to sort of push that message that we're all the same in the sense of there's not this freak over here who love training and we're great athletes and all oh, broken people. We're all on the spectrum and we yep. can figure out where we are and help people. And I think that's the magic of what we do. On to Charles. What I learned from Charles is I think I've done that video on this and we've talked about this. And I think in the camps, we talked about this. Marcel talked about this. I think what's really important to do is, well, I took this also from Edo Portal, who, who says it in a more sort of mystical way. He says, a more mobile and strong spine is what prevents people from aging. So I think there's something to be said about that. And I think there's something to be said of what we take away from that is we're in agreement with Edo. Um, and Charles would say that too. So I think it comes back to our discussion that is sort of a, a theme throughout all of our podcasts, which is if you don't use it, you lose it. Now, Marcel's magic and what we do with the magic of what our coaching is, is we have no problem regressing it to the smallest level of if you can even move a tiny bit, that's good because that's going to stimulate that healing cascade. So the thing that I would add is I would say from Charles, I learned the idea of strengthening all parts of this curve. And I think that's in ATG, but I think that, you know, what Marcel mentioned is that something that's missing, but only from a logistical point of view, but we're getting that solution. And I, I'm very excited for that solution is, is if we think about the strength curve as, uh, you know, the 90 degree or a reverse hyper is when people are like this, this is the hardest part. And when people are doing a good morning or doing an RDL or a deadlift is this is the hardest part. And when we're doing a 45 degree back extension, this is the hardest part. So we're getting all of the strength curve in the movements that we choose. And I think that's the key from a structural point of view to make sure that there's variation 
in the healing cascade with the understanding that sometimes one hurts more than the other. So you vary it and, and hit it at the level that you can. But I think the other thing that I'm going to add that I think is so brilliant and it's the, the ATG understanding of mobility. And, you know, and I think Ben, uh, we've had this conversation where all roads lead to split squats. And I think a back healing modality is people getting better at split squats. It's an amazing thing. Is it direct training to the back? No, but when you really open up hips and get mobility throughout that whole lower body, really good things happen. The other thing we do is we train the hip flexors. We don't neglect other parts. We train, you know, and is it ab? Yeah, of course it's ab work. So, you know, I think not just thinking about the back, the, the bad word, which is called the core. I don't like that, but you know, trunk stability and the QL, we do a bunch of QL work that I think a lot of people neglect. So I think that's something that's worth addressing that we work on the mobility and Keegan was saying this in the more sort of, uh, generalized way, which is the Jefferson curl rounded back inflection, flat back. And we're not averse to that thing. And I think in summary, I would say the use it or lose it is I think an underlying ATG principle, which is, you know, in a way, as long as you take a long-term view, which is being patient about the movement. And, you know, I think Brendan's story is phenomenal. And so is your knee story. Really? That's what blew us all up. It's brilliant in the sense that it's like, we're not done until we're dead. A bad back guy could end up with a one in a hundred back. I mean, my knees might be one in a million at this point in terms of like the force that yesterday for our video, I had to, I was dropping off boxes for this, with this YouTuber, Will Tennyson landing in sissy squat. Like I probably did 50 to a hundred sissy squats just in that video. And my knees are totally in you He names his right knee Anakin because it's like hopeless and the left one is obi-wan because there's hope or something i don't know the star wars reference but like he he's 28 years old already can't play sports can't go on long drives but you guys just really helped clarify for the back for me so this is what i was looking for today was just some clarity because if someone asked me well what's like the atg approach to the back i would have a lot of hesitation in answering that whereas if someone asked me like what's the deal with knees over toes it's like okay well in the 1970s, university research showed knee over toe is a position of more pressure. So it's totally understandable that knee over toe and then bending the knee through a full range of motion was largely restricted for the next four decades. But the last four decades of research have shown that those concerns were unfounded. However, it's also basic physiology that you do get less blood flow and recovery inversely the deeper you go into the joint, meaning a muscle is easier and then as you go to the tendon you get less blood supply and then as you go to the ligament you get even less blood supply so joint building is a real subject you actually can strengthen tendons and ligaments however it is a more sensitive subject than building a muscle and i think with the lower back charles one time mentioned something that like if you did a really good deadlift workout he said something like it could take you 14 days to fully recover so my bro science point of view on the back prior to this discussion was kind of like my gut instinct is when I rotate these lifts and I don't train them very often, but when I do like see to good morning and then the next back session is not see to good morning, but it's RDL and the next session is not RDL, but it's 45 degree and we don't have like a common accessible 90 degree. We do have a solution in place. If someone was on standards right now, I would say to do that on your your Nordic workout, because those are like over my two week schedule. And and look, we've seen results with doing it faster than that, but that's where that's kind of like 
I train almost like the minimum schedule needed. And over a two week schedule, I go through Nordic, C to Good Morning, RDL, 45 degree. That almost hits the full strength curve because Nordics, you are like exploding out of the bottom position, engaging the spinal erectors. And if you're doing a bar on back on a 45 degree, you're still getting close to strengthening that full extended position. But there's no gimmicks here, and that would not be perfect. Adding the 90 degree, the fully extended, would to me would be the perfect rotation. But that's like my bro science gut instinct is like when I'm rotating those lifts. So maybe there's something about uh, recovery that rather than beating the same back exercise over and over, that hitting the maybe the, maybe hitting the variety has an exponential effect on the back. And then I really like the point that Ben Clarefield brought up on the on the hip flexors because, well, why, why do I have a freaking like having a Nordic bench in your garage was not like a thing until ATG. Like I tell high schoolers, like if you have a video game set but not a Nordic bench, like you really don't want to be a pro athlete. Not actually, you could say you want to, but you're not asking the universe, please take me to the NFL. No, you're you're asking to be better at video games, not to make it to the NFL. But guess what? That has nothing to do with knees over toes or putting pressure on the knee. That has to do with getting world-class hamstring strength. So if we're talking about the lower back and we don't address the hip flexors, well, then really we wouldn't be taking an ATG approach the same way we do the knee. And then Ben mentioned, you know, like a number of you guys have mentioned like the QL and the trap three. And well, that's like, that's the same reason for us that if we're going to train the knee, we also want like the whole lower leg to be getting stronger. So it's kind of the same with, with the back. So it's, this really clarified it for me that the approach to the back is actually not dissimilar to the knee. But I do think there's maybe a, a bit more to explore with the strength curve and why rotating back lifts may be better than beating the same one. So now I'm curious, it's the round table. So now we'll take the, the same order. And I'm just kind of curious to hear if there's any further thoughts because that gave me, what I just said now is way different than what I would have said at the start after hearing everyone. So Brendan? Yeah, man, my head wants to explode in excitement. So Ben Clairfield touched in passing about how the the related structures of the hip flexor and the QL and these things almost come across as like a rhetoric of like train the four. It is something that you hear like eat your vegetables. People will just say it and we kind of get pushed back and people will not really realize why that stuff matters. And I think the biggest thing that is holding us back and helping people for all trainers, not just ATG, is that we lost context. This is the reason why there's an, an unending debate between exercise science and trainers on the fringe like us is not because we don't have the same mission or the same knowledge base or understanding. It's like the application of nuance and context. So stuff like you could hear all the time that if you pull someone over the age of 50 off the street, probably 60% would image with a herniated disc. Does that disregard herniating herniated discs as an actual problem? No. I mean, there's a lot of people that would have torn meniscus in their elderly years, but like that doesn't discredit the other side of it. And likewise, I, I read a study or someone commented, pushing back on a video I made, which is fine, about anterior pelvic tilt. Because I think that helps me a ton in lengthening my hip flexors and fixing the way my hips were set. Because I think that was perpetuating my chronic back injury. And they said, well, this study shows the incidence of pelvic tilt does not cause back injuries. And it's like, that's true. 
but that doesn't mean it's not true that lack of mobility can keep you injured. So poor mobility may not herniate your disc or may not, not even just herniate any disc, any back injury. It may not cause it, but it could be the thing that keeps you injured for decades. And my biggest beef with the entire field, I want to work with everybody. I'm not mad, but we're not in a position to be closed-minded in orthopedics, as trainers, anything. Like our results are not where they need to be. People are losing decades of their lives. It's that serious. People are lost at age of 20 feeling suicidal about their back. And then we're debating semantics with egos. And it's like, we actually have all the secrets. Between all of our knowledge, we know enough. But it just gets lost in the context and like debating. And so I think the open-minded part that Clarefield said was like exactly my most liberating breakthrough was like, man, it's not whether this is right or that's wrong. It's like, it's just how and when and troubleshooting and regressing and looking for observations, believing there's hope. We need to bridge the gap between physical therapy. The McGill method for getting out of initial pain is legit. I couldn't move unless I did press-ups and hangs. That works. But after that, how do you get back to squatting and deadlifting? And, and like, that's the gap. And I think that's where we can work together. I, I think you're right. I, was, I happened to stumble on a video and it was a, what do you call it? Like a stuntman. And the level of precision and different angles that had to be prepared for and everything for a Hollywood stuntman, my immediately, and this was just like 60 seconds, I was like, wow, like as trainers, we really have like, it, it's time to take the next level of competence. Like, like this is just a competence game. So when you're talking about right now about the lower back, I'm like, wow, people reach out to me about the lower back. Like, so what is it? Is this like my core? And this is often, oftentimes the people DMing me about their, their knee or their back and they can't figure it out. It's often trainers with a million followers and, and the level of competence. Now that doesn't mean maybe they don't have extreme competence and body composition how to get shredded, how to increase the bench press. But I just think that we have our whole careers. Why not keep getting more competent? So that that's my takeaway from today, from what from what all of you and what Brendan has said. It's like, it's time to be even more competent on the lower back. Keegan? I love, I love this conversation. I, I think the thing that we see with artificial intelligence coming around and creative thinking from computers about how they're going to solve that. I'm just imagining when we put all this data into a computer and then we're getting feedback of what actually happens, how different is back training going to be? And I, I would say it's going to be significantly different. And I think we're still in this wild west phase where we're exploring different stuff and we've got clues and we've got things that we know are better than what we used to do. But then I, I, I love that we're still in the mystery of how do we combine these tools exactly and precisely with the right number of reps and the right amount of rest in between and, and all of these things. I, I, I do think there's more for us to work out. We know that we have some great stuff. But it's it's the fun of it, and 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 uh, and I think it's important for the whole field and for us within ATG to continue to experiment and explore, you know, what is going to work best. And the ninety degree back extension coming into the system opens up more possibilities again. Um, the anterior pelvic tilt that Brendan touched on there, I think, is a really important one. A lot of guys are worried about that. Hundred percent, you can be in that position and not have pain, but if you do get pain then more than likely you're going to need to learn to control the pelvic position to be able to get out of that chronic pain. Exactly what Brendan's talking about there. And 
um, yeah, to get out of that pain, you need awareness of what's going on in those muscles around the hips. The split squat is fantastic for that. The, the two things that we haven't maybe touched on as much, Brennan just mentioned it, there is the, the hanger I do think can be valuable in that short-term thing after you've hurt uh, the back. Sometimes the hang can really help and the, the gar hammer raises which are within the ATG system. There's some decompressive components to that which I think can be valuable. The hip flexors are at the bottom. The hanging is kind of decompressing the middle. And the thing we haven't touched on is the, the, the just above that, I think the, the cross bench pullovers are like a hidden gem as well for taking pressure off the lower back discs by getting some thoracic extension. So if we can work on below, work on above, then actually the lower back area won't be copying as, as much tension and as much uh, stress through, through day activity. So especially for those who are more kyphotic, I come from a hockey background, very kyphotic. Naturally, I'm strong in kyphosis. It took a lot of work for me to be able to snatch and the cross bench pullovers really helped me to get the back bridge because you can see the freaky ability in a lot of ATG practitioners in the back bridge. I think that's a sign of a healthy back. And I think the pullover is is an unspoken about gen that does have significant carryover to lower back as well. That's huge. I love that. Marcel? So one thing that I want to encourage all of our listeners to do, you know, what as as they pursue their athletic careers, whether they're trainers or whether they're athletes themselves, if you are in a healthy state, please recognize that the back is designed to move in specific ways. It then matters then that you train those movements. So train your back in a flex position, such as when you do a Jefferson curl and also at the bottom of a 45 degree back extension. Also train the back in the extended position. Do your Romanian deadlifts, do your seated good morning. Also do the QL extensions as this is when the spine flexes to the sides, right? There are times where we play our sport and we experience a force that comes in at our side. And these are muscles that help stabilize the spine. When these areas are not trained properly, that is where you leave the door open. Not that it's going to occur, but you leave the door open for an injury to become present in your body and sustain it. So it is very much worth your while. You know, look at how the body was designed and do your best to train those areas in the way that they're meant to be moving. So the back is designed to round, train it round, extend it, do it extended, do it upon different strength curves. Like Ben Clarefield was talking about, because like in a seat of good morning, you'll see the spine. And if you see your back squat, it, the back is sustaining forces in very similar ways. So you could say a seat of good morning is going to be conductive to protecting your spine during a back squat. So train your spine in a way that it's designed to move and try to subject it to that stimulus consistently enough so that safe adaptation occurs. Beautiful. Ben? Uh, a few things. I love it. I think I think this idea that we're all um, working with is that it's, we're layered, you know, I think the ATG approach is a layered approach. I mean, I'm going to add, we do neck training. You know, there's data where it says if our necks here, every centimeter past the deltoid if you do the math where you're the mid deltoid should hit the middle of the ear every centimeter forward you know i think the math was five kilos of low back pressure so you know the quantity you know we're all you know i think it's something to to say that there's a layered approach that some people it's like i have low back pain and their head is they're like this they're like well oh yeah it's not simply the back i mean i think this idea that they're were segmented parts of a body, but I think that's the brilliance of what Keegan's saying. I think that's the thing and what, what Brendan's saying about the hip flexor. It's not 
no, well, my low back sucks. Why am I training my hip flexor? What's that got to do with low back? No, everything has to do with everything, which is kind of a really lame answer. But at the same time, that's what we really believe. The whole point is that if we were dress your weak links, what's really magical is the garbage part that's ironed out. And again, I think the idea is being patient that, and that's Brendan's story and that's your knee story and all of ours stories in either way is, is that patience on the training note. I think that, you know, to talk about how we train and I think that's Keegan's point about, you know, figuring out the magic of the sets and reps. And for me, it's, you know, as Ben said, there's so much that I got from Charles. And, uh, you know, it's, a lot of times it's, I have gems that he has. And then three years later, I'm like, oh my God, he's so right on that. I didn't know why. Charles taught me that some of the top weightlifters will squat up to 18 times a week. So a great lesson from squatting is if you want to squat more, you squat more. So, so it, it, there's a genius in that. So from that, sometimes people say, well, great. I want to deadlift more. I'll deadlift more. No. It doesn't work like that. And I think you've instinctively done that with the hamstrings and the knee flexors. Now you could do different things with hamstrings. I have some protocols that Charles taught me, which is knee flexor. You know, some people tweak their knee doing stuff, their hamstrings doing stuff with, uh, with Nordic curls sometimes. And, and I think part of it is there's an envy of like seeing some of the top guys like Ben Marcel, you know, uh, my, my Nordics are pretty decent. Um, and, oh, I need to get there faster. So instead of doing it once a week. I'm going to do it five times a week. And then they tweak something. And then it's like, okay, well, the protocol that I'm going to do to fix you, I do think Kelly Starrett had a great line, which is what you do is you find the cousin of the movement that hurt you. And there's something magical about that. And I think that's Brendan's story with his back. It's not a deadlift, but it's a deadlift what he's doing. So it's not exactly that, but you're doing it to kind of approach the ability to do that again. So I've done a lot with some of our coaches that have pushed too hard on the Nordics. And it's like, okay, now it's time for you to get really good at leg curls in all the different angles of the toes and the angles of the feet and all this kind of stuff. And, and lo and behold, they do that for a few months and oh my God, my hamstrings, it feels way better. I can do Nordics again. So it's, it's this idea of posterior chain is a complex thing. It's where we really get a ton of power from. I think that's something that I want to sort of add to, which is the reason why I think you've been sensitive about the back and not trying to say something really grandiose about the back versus the knee is that there's a sensitivity about the back that is societal. And I think there's something about the low back being the focal point of our being. It's the center of our body. And again, I can add a strength and conditioning point. There was a data point. I share this with all the ETG camps and on the calls is that they did data. I can't remember where the study was from, but Charles taught me this, which is the irradiating effect of low, of low back strength. So he says, if in doubt, train the low back with an athlete. If everything's perfect, train their low back. And the reason why he says there was data that did, there was a group that did arms, a group that did that chest, a group that did quads, a group that did low back. And everyone got good at the body part that they trained, but the low back trainees got good at everything. So there's this irradiating effect of low back, but the reverse is true. If someone's low back is demolished or hurt or whatever, there's this terrifying feeling that they're worth nothing, as Brendan's saying, their whole being is wrecked. One can delve deeper on the psychological element of that. But I think, you know, there's, there's this idea of people sitting for hours, you know, I don't think it's true simply, but this idea that sitting, sitting is worse than smoking. It's not, I, I don't know, one can debate that, but it's not, it sure as hell isn't good. So, you know, what the hip flexor shortening and glute weak, whatever the details of the musculature, I think the idea is the solution is a layered approach, which is. Maybe it's the neck, but it's not just the neck. 
It's also the shoulder. It's also the trap three. It's also the hip flexor. It's also the hip lengthening. It's also, you know, your abs. It's also your QL. It's also your hamstrings. It's also the fit. So I think this idea of what we do is it's a layered approach. It's not just the knee. I think that is ATG in the sense of we're going to hit your weak links. And if someone comes in with a really bad back, but their head position is forward, we're going to address that. And obviously it's going to be opening up the chest. So the cross bench pull over. I, th I think there's a magic in, in, a, in having a philosophy of one, if you don't use it, you lose it, which is what we believe and uh, a regression to the level that we can, and then also address weak links. And I think if you were to define ATG, we've had this exercises, you don't use it, you lose it, regress to where we need to regress and fix weak links. I think that would be a good overall definition of what it is that we actually do and what recipes we bring to the table with ATG. And that last point is on the training the posterior chain, it's much more sensitive and, and, it, and it, it's much more neurologically demanding than squatting every day, which, you know, some of the top lifters, it's three times a day for, for years and years on end, but they don't do a conventional deadlift or destroy their back. I know they're doing pulling, but it's a bit different from a velocity point of view. But anyway, that that's my sort of, that's really interesting. No, it's really interesting on the, on the frequency thing. So you have these variables, you have the level you're doing exercise, the frequency of it, and it, and it does vary depending on different exercises. And then the no weak link the no weak links thing is really kind of our our main conclusion out of i think these podcasts so far and and that's been my main conclusion on training in general but then how you take something from a weak link to a strong link and then and then even learning the different areas of your body and which ones can be weak links this stuff is not common knowledge yet and if just in this podcast the number of areas we've touched on with the lower back makes it not impossible, but very difficult to teach in 30 seconds on a viral social media video. Whereas if you look at my most viral knee videos, it's like get on a treadmill, not turned on and reverse that shit out. Like it's a lot easier to explain than, than explaining a back. So that, yeah, that's, that's the hurdle ahead is really the competence and the experience and Keegan has been the one pushing on the experience and data side. And I think now with our own app, I think it's, I think it's almost like not, not chasing perfection, but chasing what are the most workable levels? What are the most workable schedules? What are, and getting it down to common denominators and everywhere that we run into a barrier rather than running from that, we've seen so many things can go right that we have to work on the idea that every barrier we run into, while it may not be perfect, there will be a workable solution for it. So like with the Nordic, we're very careful in our programs to do it super infrequently, but there's a very high incidence of issues when people are then like, Hey, so I saw your, your Nordic video with a million views and I was doing it three times a week. And, and I'm like, Oh yeah. The one that said, I've been doing this like once every one to two weeks for the last five years. And now you're doing it three times a week and on week six, you like, yeah, that video, like, but without the, without more experience and, and data through the app, I do, I do feel like we're probably still five to 10 years away from being able to give people just the most honest advice we can. And in the meantime, like we have to keep grinding out solutions And in person, I was just showing Brendan pictures yesterday, like we'd be training NFL players and house moms. And we'd all be doing Nordics, but we had all these plyo boxes there so that someone would know like, yeah, I'm doing my Nordics at 18 inch elevation. So we were, the, the form quality was exceptional. So that's the other side. Nordics with, with raggedy form 
also a big problem. But without a bunch of boxes to be stacking up and lifting up the front end of a real Nordic bench. So people online, there's still areas where what people are doing online is not actually duplicating what we did in person. So that has a solution in the works. The 90 degree has the solution in the works. And it's just taken me sort of evolutions of being like, how simple can we get this? And it's like, well, that's not good enough. Let's do it again. Okay. Now, so it's that that's where we're at in the cycle. We're almost at, I feel like 2023 is almost a, in a way, a starting point for, for ATG to try to get better. So that's my last words on it. This was, this was really cool. Stabilized it for me. So let's get, um, final words, Brendan. I want to, and my final message to be directly to somebody that's at like absolute rock bottom. And I want to just encompass if I could go that's back. Good. That's a tough place to be. And that's the hardest once you're bulletproof, it's fucking easy. So yeah, and we've, we've done a lot in talking about like the strength curves and, and all the different components. But honestly, when somebody's at their rock bottom, this stuff is almost irrelevant and they need the step zero to get to step one. So if I could go back and talk to myself two years ago, it's really like, even if you don't know everything, even if you, we don't have a solidified cookie cutter yet to the back, I think most people who have been chronically stuck with their back are experts on their back. They have the weird hunches about it hurts when I do that, but I feel better when I hang and like they're starting to figure things out on an intuitive level. And the genius of ATG was not creation. It was just intuitive next steps. So take what you're weak at. I think most people actually can get themselves to a bulletproof place. Take your biggest weakness and that could literally become your biggest strength. That is your motto, but that's my version, but for the back. So what's funny is I couldn't reach down and move my spine an inch two years ago. And then now I'm trying to run as fast as humanly possible. And that's going to require a double bodyweight deadlift or RDL for 10 reps. Like Frank, Fred Curley, the world champion, hundred meter dash winner, his back is the strongest looking back of erectors you will ever see in your life. So it's just ironic that the thing that I was absolute worst at followed a very pretty linear route of like progression to the next, to the next, to the next. Don't do terminal knee extension with a little band for your knee, realize it worked, then stop and go try to dump. Like we took the thing that got us out of pain. And then how do we get world-class strength added with the polyquin step up? Same for the back. It's literally exactly the same. No difference. So there's a lot here. None of us touched on that. So that's a huge concluding point, which is that this is not just about not being in back pain. It, it almost unlocks the door to greater like abilities. Um, so that's huge. My mind was um, seated. Good morning was just garbage. And and I would watch Bulletproof Backman and Don Lopez do the squat dunk and just be like, God, I wish I had those genetics. Like, I remember totally thinking that. You remember that, Marcel, when we were, like, just in awe of him? And, but then it was also, like, oh, wow, like, 135 on a seated good morning at that time. I could only, like, cheat. I could do, like, a half rep, and it felt like a truck was on my back. And then Keegan saw that change, like, over the years that we got, like, really good at seated good mornings. And then I just found out I could do the squat dunk. Like, no practice. I could just do it. So it, it definitely unlocks. That's why I think for, like, for, I think, any ATG coach, if they had this clue from Ben Clarefield's freak checklist thing, and if you just took like split squat and seated good morning, and you went to any NFL team on their lineman, and you just got them unbelievable at that, they'd be like, the whole line would be like all pro. And we've seen this in person with linemen, because to, to be able to explode from a, a no, you know, a nurse show, whatever you call it, like, oh, 
man. So that's, I'm so glad Brendan touched on it. Cause we didn't even talk about the athletic abilities and like, dude, we're all going to, we're all going to go around this earth a certain amount of times and be dead. And like, there's no, like, it's a game while we're here. So like, we might as well be, be living lives of, of action. So Keegan, what's, what's your final words? So much in this, there's so much in this podcast and anyone who's had any their back or any coach that's excited to, to have a career as a coach, like listen to this, listen to it again, practice all the movements. Uh, Charlie Francis used to say that the acceleration was correlated. The best correlation was the lower back strength. I remember that really stuck with me. I think I learned that from Charles as well, that Charlie Francis was saying that, but we really do want the lower back to be crazy, crazy strong. I also encourage people to go to being able to do, you know, to get that real flexibility uh, in the spine and in the hamstrings as well, getting the elbows to the toes or being able to do the handstands. It's, it's not so difficult and it feels better. Honestly, as someone who's done tons of deadlifting and had stiff back and I've had back injuries myself, getting that supreme mobility in the lower back is something that I never regret. And, you know, it, it definitely helps me to feel fresh and warmed up before I start. Like I know that if I stop doing that work, stiff and old, and then when I do it again, I feel young. So I would uh, encourage people to go a little bit further than what the strength and conditioning world generally encourages in terms of that lower back mobility, which is common amongst the ATG community, but pretty uncommon outside of that. I can relate that big time with the back. There there seems to be something to that, that extra mobility for the back, yeah. I feel like prevents a lot. Marcel, last words? So at least for the back, I just sort of want to echo you know, what Brendan and what you said is that, you know, ATG, we have a really, we have a focused approach on structural balance, which was really brought to light by Charles Poliquin and, you know, other great trainers that we're able to see that the body is not just one specific muscle. Like if an area is affected negatively, it's not just the one specific area that's hurting. There are other things that are connected, which are contributing or negatively influencing the pain and having it continue. So when you approach your training as with structural balance and you start to, like Brendan said, start addressing these weak links and getting them stronger, it then opens the door to be able to train a little bit more, maybe a little bit more consistently, maybe subject yourself to a little bit more strength. And then you reach the point it's sort of like what Clarefield was talking about. We're somewhere in a spectrum of pain, no ability to strength, a lot of ability. And each successive step that you can take towards more strength, more ability, more range, more flexibility without the presence of pain, it will then allow you to continue along that route and gain more. So just I want to encourage the listeners that wherever you are in this spectrum, just Recognize that it's just that, a spectrum. And if you take positive, constructive actions towards getting better and address it through training, you can open the door to even more gain and strength. Yeah. Beautiful. Then close us out. I think what's great, I mean, this is a great one. This is, I think this is going to help so many people, which is really, I think, our mission. I think what's really, really cool is what what I like to tell people, and it's, you know, it's an interesting thing is we're providing the recipe for people to get out of pain and become more athletic. And what I like talking to people that come to us with pain is I want them to be in a future self where they don't remember that they were a back pain person, shoulder pain person, or knee pain person. 
I want it to be that, you know, it, it warms my heart truly. It gives me joy to hear Brett, Brendan's story, your story, all of our stories with, you know, you know, Brendan say, Brendan isn't a back pain guy. He's a, I used to have, that was old. That was then. That's not me now. And that's what I, I, I wish for people to be in the situation where they follow the recipe with patience. And I think that's a difficult thing in this time with one click Amazon, buy it right now. It's right there. You know, instant gratification is this is deferred gratification. You slowly chip away at it and get better. But I want it to be that people find that time. I'm excited to be along the journey. All of us want to be a part of that journey. And people say, I'm no longer that person. That's the, I have a bad back. I have bad knees. It's no, no, no. I used to have a knee injury and now my knees are great. I used to have a back injury and I fixed that. I've worked through that with a lot of help from great people. I've done a lot of work myself and now no longer. And now look at this awesome stuff I can do. And I think that's a cool thing where they look at their bodies. People start to look at their bodies as a, as an amazing thing that has ability and capability as opposed to an enemy. And I think there's this disjunct of their personality. This is deep, whatever of who they are and their enemy of their body that's hindering their life. And I think the goal is to have that unify where it's a wonderful, you know, and again, this is complex, but this unification of who they consider is themselves and a body that <laughs> works hand in hand to be able to do really cool things. That's sort of my, that's what I, 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 I'm passionate about. I love it from the transition from broken towards athletic. And I think that's the idea, as Marcel said, this idea of a spectrum of movement. It's not that there's athletic people over here or super freaks over here or broken people over here. And you're one of them. It's that there's just a, tr you know, it's just math almost. I like saying it. it's just math. You just do, you're just chipping away and you're just chipping away. And oh my God, look at this. Look how wonderful you can move. And again, obviously there's genetic potential, but still. You try to ignore that as much as you can, and you're given your existence to so try to do the best you can with all the things that you have and work on your weak legs. Perfect ending. You don't have to be a bad back guy. You don't have to be, oh, I'm just bad with relationships. Oh, I'm just bad with this or that. So that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Amazing. See ya. You guys crushed it.